Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is the, uh, September 17th, 2014. This is episode 1428 of the Survival Podcast, and I've got an interesting one for you today. I'm making good on a threat. I threatened that this concept of a virtual nation would go into my brain and turn into something, and I would come back and do a whole show on virtual nations and how a virtual nation might be founded, how it might work, what it might do, why we might do it, and here's the deal. There's a whole crap ton of I don't know in this, and I think it's really important when I, when I kind of do today's show to understand something. There's been times in the past where I've said, Let's build something like AgriTrue, and then I went and built it. And then I've said, let's do Permaethos, and then I put together a coalition of people that wanted to get it done, and we're doing it. This is not that. I, today, will not be talking about a virtual nation called Spirkostan. It does not exist. It shall not exist. It shall not be done in my name. I will not be in charge. I am not in charge. The things that I say may or may not be usable. I don't know. This is a thought experiment, but I think if you'll come with me on this thought experiment today, much like a thought experiment, if you could only have one rifle, what would it be? If you could only have one gun, what would it be? If you could only have one fishing rod, what would it be? If you could only have one frame of knife and we're going to be left in the wilderness, what would it be? These things don't generally happen that way, but the thought experiment is valuable. I think this one's actually one that could happen. But the value now in its discussion is in the thought experimentation to examine what we do know and what we don't know and what we do understand and what we don't understand about concepts like nations and states and how they differ and the role of government and the role government has been playing in our lives and our belief systems often that we don't need that much government until someone says, well, what if we got rid of it? Then how many of us who claim to be libertarians or anarcho-capitalists say, Oh, well, not that. We can't have them not do that. And maybe we can. It should be a fun and entertaining show that should shift gears in your mind today. Before I do that, though, I've got a housekeeping segment and a segment that we're going to call Jack Was Wrong. And those of you who read the blog already know how Jack was wrong. Uh, but we'll have the Jack Was Wrong segment at the end of the housekeeping anyway, so stay tuned for at least that. Those of you who think I'm, who think that I think that I'm always right will get to hear me grovel to you about my error. Before that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason. What are you going to get from Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason? Berkey water filtration systems. But why get your Berkey from Jeff? I mean, pretty much everybody in, in, in the, the preparedness industry knows that Berkey is the bomb. It is the water filter you want in your home. So you can get them in so many places. You can go to a gun show next month and get a Berkey from some dude there that started up JP's Survival and More yesterday. Why would, why, why, but why wouldn't you get it from the Berkey guy? He's, he's the Berkey guy. He's been supporting, seriously, he's been supporting the show for years, guys. He is a, a maniac with customer service. I kid Jeff because I love him like a brother. He's awesome. He will take care of you. And he doesn't just have Berkey's. He has other cool stuff like the Survival Cave line of foods. He offers discounts to members of the Support Brigade. You can find out about those in the benefits section of the MSB. Next up today, this is an uncertain world that we live in today. You will hear... 
virtual currencies take a big role in, uh, in, in my plan for a virtual nation. Do not think because I see value in things like Bitcoin and other virtual currencies that I don't still see the value of good old hard assets like silver and gold. See, unlike most people that, that have silver and gold sponsors, I'm not going to tell you something stupid like only silver and gold are real money. I don't think silver and gold are money at all. They're not. They're commodities. That's what they are. They're commodities. Now, one can back money with a commodity, and one can coin money from a commodity. But in the end, it's a commodity. But it is a commodity with the longest history of retained value in, in, in recorded history. So I think it belongs in your portfolio as part of your assurance plan, your assurance of your wealth, not just your insurance, but your assurance. Something that can be handed down, something you can hold Something that either has to be taken from you physically or you still have it. There's a lot of value there. That's why I recommend you keep about 5% up to 10% of your net uh, worth in gold. And uh, I buy my silver and gold from JM Bullion. I think you should too. Why? Better pricing than the big players like Monix and Atmex and great personalized service. If there's ever a hiccup in your order, let me know about it after you let them know and see if they fix it for you. You know, But if you ever just feel like you're not getting the service you're supposed to, let me know. I can send an email straight to the president of JM Bullion. That's why I chose them as a sponsor. I examined several sponsors for this position, including Monix and Atmex, and all they would let me do is talk to some clown in marketing, who, by the way, was happy to cut a check. I wanted to deal with a company where I could actually talk to somebody who can get things done. That's Michael at JM Bullion. He's my buddy. He'll take care of you. Check out the website today for your silver and gold needs, jambullion.com. Also, supporter of the MSB and do offer you guys a discount there. Next up, remember the way I pay the bills around here really isn't with sponsorships. Uh, it's a very small bit of revenue if you do the math on it. Um, noting my error in math. Anyway, uh, but seriously, if you support the show at about 18.3 cents an episode, that's uh, $50 a year, five bucks a month, you can do that. Uh, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, and prior service. Uh, you guys can qualify for a discount if you email me with service discount in the subject line before, not after you join. The email to send that to is jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com with service discount in the subject line. One or two sentences is all I need about your service. I'll get you that discount code back. For those that have considered the MSB but not joined yet, guys, I'm telling you, it's a value. If you're buying things, silver, gold, guns, gardens, long-term storage food, if you're buying anything, I've got discounts for you that over a year will more than pay for your membership. It's like the discounts from AAA if the discounts from AAA were real. That's the best way I can put it. And you get a whole bunch of other cool content. It's awesome. And again, just think about it. At the end of today's show, if you think that was worth two dimes, you're not a member yet, consider joining. All right. With that, let's get to the year that was the episode. The year is 1428. They couldn't be dealing with the same crap we deal with today, could they? No, well, you might be surprised. I have two for you today. One is called Crop Failure, Crop Success, and Food Storage, or Microsoft and the Siege of Orleans. I'm going to read Crop Failures, Crop Success, and Food Storage, but I think you might like the one about Microsoft in 1428. Was Microsoft really there? Not really, but you can see the connection if you go read Alex Shrug's awesome post for the year 1428 at the TSP Wiki. Here we go on crop failure, success, and storage. The impact of the Black Death on labor shortages was delayed for a generation because, frankly, when you have fewer people to feed, you need fewer farmers. But now the manor system of farming is running right at the knife's edge. Those farms willing to innovate stand a better chance at survival. Farms clinging to the old farming methods are rolling the dice. 
with shorter growing seasons and the little ice age upon them, global cooling that would be, is a change or die for farmers. By using fertilization, radical crop rotation, and changing crops like planting peas, for example, using horses that are less susceptible to disease to plow the field, farms stand a better chance at survival. And for everyone, food preservation is becoming a vital part of that survival. That is why the Venetians are getting rich on salt, a major food preservative of the day. People need it badly, and they are willing to pay. My take by Alex Shrugga puts these together for us. The old methods of farming are producing low yields when there's not enough extra grain in the granary to tide you over. A farm can fall prey to a disaster such as flood, bad weather, or Welsh terrorists setting fire to your fields. Terrorism. Yes, tyranny, terror. Stuff happens. That is why the modern-day leaning of food storage methods is so important. Learning of food storage methods is so important. Even if you have someone to blame like Welsh terrorists or ISIS... Right? Or an unfair boss who fires you on Christmas Eve. That makes me think of Chevy Chase, even though that's not exactly what happened to him in the movie. But your family still has to eat. Having food on hand gives you a cushion so that you can make sensible choices rather than panic moves. Thinking of going postal is, is a lie you tell yourself because you weren't prepared. You never know what's coming, but you can guess about a few of the obvious things, and you can start with food storage. I agree with Alex's take on that, so I'm not going to add to it. Um, what I want to do now is the promised segment, Jack Was Wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding myself a little bit, uh, and I'm just trying to show you guys that I have a good sense of humor about things like this. Uh, I made an error yesterday in, in yesterday's show, and it's too bad because, um, and what I'm probably going to have to do is when I get a chance to go back and, and, and dub in, I think at the beginning, it, it, saying the errors there and pointing it out for people that download the show in the future and maybe don't see the post I did today or hear this before they listen to it because it can, it can throw off confidence in the whole episode. Here's what happened. There was a major math error in yesterday's show, um, and that's part of the Jack Was Wrong segment today. I don't know why this happened, but in the show, I was talking about planting trees around the perimeter of a property, and I said 208 times 4 was 2,496, and that's clearly wrong because the number is uh, 832. This should have made the tree counts in that episode instead of being, I think I had 240 and 120, uh, 80 if we spaced the trees at 10 feet, and 40 trees going all the way around the property if we spaced them at 20. And that's what happens when you do math in your head on the fly. Um, I looked at that and went, how the hell did I get that? And then I did a little more math, and it, 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 it you know if you take 208 times 4, uh, you get 832. Well, if you multiply that by 3, you get 2,496. Um, and yesterday I made a mistake. I, you know, did not sit down and do math before the show and get ready. As I was doing that show, I was doing the math in my head. Well, I guess I put my foot in my mouth because I converted feet to yards is must, must have been what happened. So I took it as though the measure, I guess this is what, this is the only way I can make sense of the number I came up with. I took it as 208 yards and converted it to feet and did that math in my head and got the right number with the wrong input. And as they say in computer programming, garbage in, garbage out. So, yes, folks, Jack was wrong. Anyway, let's get on to today's show. And I do try to do that, guys. I try to point out when I'm wrong about something and, and make the correction. I think it's the only 
responsible thing to do, not try to hide it or brush it under or just change, just go back to the show and change the numbers, uh, you know, just dub over that because uh, that could be done. But then the, it's, it's out there. You, you've got to step up when you make mistakes, when they're trivial mistakes like this or when they're big mistakes like some other mistakes I've made. You've got to step up and you've got to, you've got to own them. And I, I try to set a good example, and that's one way you do that is when you're wrong, you flat out say you're wrong. That way people can respect when you say you're right uh, and know that there's some reason for them to believe that your claim might be valid anyway. And I do reserve the right to make mistakes and to be wrong on this show. This is one man's opinion. Uh, I have very strong opinions, and sometimes those opinions are seen as dictations. They're not. They're just making a case for my point of view. Please make your case for your point of view. And just because you did doesn't mean I'm required to agree with it. And just because I don't agree with it doesn't mean you not, might not be right. All right, with that, because there's going to be maybe a lot of discussion on this one, I want to talk about this virtual nation thing. And, again, I want to start out with this. I do not want to be President Spirico of Virtual Spirico Stan. I've actually found the concept of creating virtual nations is not new. It seems almost as old as the Internet. And it ranges in everything from video games to forums to sites that people have set up to actually look like a country's site, but they say they're virtual, and you can buy papers of nobility in Spirkostan and stuff like that. I don't want to do something hokey like that, though the fact that that stuff's there is kind of leaning in the right direction. Um, but I don't want to run this. And I think that when I explain the economics of this, if you listen, it'll be clear. But one of the big questions when I talked about you know buying citizenship was, What do I get and who gets my money? Well, in the way I'm going to explain it today, nobody gets your money, and you can have it back any time that you want to, assuming you haven't spent it, which is how money works. So if you say, I'm going to put $500 in the bank with the Bank of Jack, and I say, okay, here's a checkbook. You can write checks against the, the $500 you deposited, and you, and you write $500 worth of checks, and you come back and say, I want my $500, I'm like, I paid your checks, dude. You don't have any money, you didn't make any deposits. So there is nobody getting your money. In the bank world, the banker would get a fee. Now, there may be some fees here, but they would go to, like, Bitcoin miner type people or something like that. Um, and that's how that would work. But they would be provided by anybody who wanted to do it, not by the government of Spearcoastan, which we're not going to use that anymore. I'm doing that to make a joke. I have come up with a name for this country, and... Everything I say today can be proven wrong and done differently. But I have named the nation for now, since no one else has done it, Libratos. Libratos means liberty in Latin. And the reason I chose a Latin word is this is not America's virtual nation. This is the world's virtual nation that we're talking about here. Possibly one of many. Just a thought experiment. How could we do it? But I wanted something universal. So if I used an Italian word or a Japanese word or a Chinese word uh, or a Spanish word or a German word, then it's owned somewhat by that person. Since Latin is what you would call a dead language, it belongs to the world. I've chosen a Latin word of liberty for our conceivable virtual nation, Libertas. And I would say then the, uh, <laughs> the currency could be the Libertad, except that actually is a currency for Honduras. So we will call it Liberty Coin today, which is probably a terrible name. But 
We have to call it something, so I am going to call the Nation Libertas and the coin Liberty Coin. Those are not etched in stone. They can be changed. I do happen to own the domain, though, Libertas.global. So uh, I, that could be donated at some point to an effort like this if it ever got off the ground. But I want to talk about why we should really consider this in the first place. This is this is some of the things that have been weighing on my mind. So a couple days ago, we we had uh, late lunch, early dinner, call it what you want, with my son and his uh, his girlfriend and their their son, and uh, we were talking about some of the things that are going on, like the story that I put out about the kids at the school in England having to have their fingerprint scanned. And how that would keep a record of everything your child ate by the school so the school could make nutritional decision choices. And my son's girlfriend really didn't get why that was a bad thing. Eventually she started to get it, but she really didn't get it right away. And Dorothy was like, well, don't make her feel bad. Explain it to her. And I found myself for like the very first time in a long time trying to explain tyrannical government to a person with no understanding at all about the problem like starting from zero and not someone switched on enough that you can actually point out to what the other side's doing so that they can see what their side's doing not someone that's like i'm a democrat i'm a republican that at least has someone that just like a typical most typical young americans today i'm trying to survive i'm trying to make a living i'm working with what i have i don't have time for this political crap I don't know what's going on and no real understanding of history. And I'm not putting her down. I'm just saying there's so many people that are 20 to 25 years old, 30 years old in that mode right now. Don't have a clue. And I found that it was very difficult to explain to people like that the problem. It's not that they can't see it. And in fact, it's easier to to win them over than somebody that's picked a side in the dichotomy But it takes a lot longer to at least get into the point where they're understanding the threat. And she could not understand the real threat was having a six, seven-year-old child conditioned to give their fingerprint to a government organization that provided for them. And where that child's mind would be at 25. How much harder it would be to explain to that child than it is to you how dangerous this stuff is. And I think what she actually got it is when I used an old Glenn Beck line. And that is if this technology existed in 1930, there probably wouldn't be a Jew on planet Earth. And that's probably true. And I would tell you this, even if even if the thing still came out the way that it did, there'd probably be a lot less. That's how dangerous where we're going with government is. So the reason I think that we should consider doing a virtual nation isn't so we can all defect. See, when I when I brought this up, the first thing everybody said, we're much better off if we got some deserted island somewhere and put a flag in it and everybody go there. And my response to that is none of you none of you that say that will ever go there. You'll you'll wait for other people to go there. Then how do we get food and water and stuff to this deserted island, electricity, power, and then it's a target. For any point that actually starts to do anything, it's a fixed target that can be attacked. So no one will go there that has no resources, that has no power. We'll talk about the different types of power and the different reasons a nation is recognized as a nation in a bit. It has none of those things, and it, but, but it's a place you could go. 
And my thought is, I'm tired of leaving places. I've walked to freedom from the Northeast to Texas. I did that many years ago. I'm really not hip on going anywhere else unless it's for another reason of my own choosing. Um, there's not a lot of places to go that are freer. And like many of you that would say, well, I can think of some places I might rather live. And for me, Costa Rica or Panama are both high on the list. They really are. Um, but you have family, you have businesses, you have careers, you have lives, you have friends. Well, I should leave my friends just because I want to leave my state. All right. And we're going to talk about the difference between a nation and a state. Those are two different things as well. And I think that the problem that we're getting into, and I've seen this very clearly, there's a whole thread on the virtual nation constitution, which I screwed up. And if you go to that thread, I'd like you to, to try to do this. Try to think about it. First, read the whole thing, if you can. It's pretty long already. At least read parts of it and get an understand what's going on and what's currently being discussed. And, and, and think of it this way. Imagine that it wasn't Jack was wrong, because Jack was wrong here too. I'm not going to play the music because it wasn't that wrong, but I should have called it a constitution in the title of the post. I should have called it a technical specification. Because it's, it's not another state. It's a new form of a nation. A new type of a nation. A new type of a country. Okay? And we need a new way to do things. So what you see in this thread is people trying to make a better state. Insidious put it that way, and it was very spot on to what was going on. Well, we need term limits for senators. I'm like, we don't need senators, therefore term limits aren't necessary. Well, who's going to make decisions? You are. And this is so foreign to people. So I have always said, I want you to think about this, because I know some of you are like, this doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I still have to pay my taxes and dollars. I still have to live here and use euros or whatever, wherever you live. Like, so how does this change things? Give it some time, okay? All right? But when you're, when you're trying to do something completely different and you're trying to make it like something that already is, the, those two things are in conflict, and you're going to have a hard time getting it. So you have to let go of what your preconceived ideas of a constitution or a nation or a state are for right now. You see the, the thought experiment, we're going to put that on the shelf, I understand. You see things like, well, what do we do if somebody murders somebody with an axe? Really? In Libertas, which is a virtual world where blood cannot be drawn? How do we need a law for that? But if somebody does it, then, I mean, that's evil, and we need to be clear about that. Do we? In a virtual nation? Other than we, you know, something like we stand for non, the principle of non-aggression? I think that would be a, a, a good, I think that's the only thing that this nation would need, is its, is its creed, if you want to call that. The principle of non-aggression. And there's a reality that a lot of things that would be considered criminal or wrong If there's, no, if there's no government to get involved, are very quickly self-corrected. I want you to think about this. How many, how many people that sell on eBay are able to screw people over a bunch of times? And the answer is none. If you have crappy seller's ratings on eBay, you can't sell to anyone. Nobody will buy from you. And it isn't really done by... Being totalitarian about the negative, it's the benefit of the positive. When you see a seller and they've done 815 transactions, 814 positive, one negative, you don't even care about the negative. You're like, you know what? 
I, this, that's some pain in the ass. I know that. So the positive is so valuable that positive behavior on eBay is encouraged. Very few people get screwed over on eBay. And if somebody does screw somebody over, they don't get to do it very much. Then there's, you know, since everything's done with PayPal, there's payment reversals. So that all exists. That can be tied into a virtual nation, that type of system. And it can be made better. And the government can be pushed completely out. And when I say the government, don't, don't say the U.S. government. I say government. All governments. You're not allowed in here. You're a senator of what? Okay, yeah, you can come in as a citizen, but you can't come in as a senator. It's not your business. Department of Commerce, we don't have one of those. Go away. Right? So that's the type of thing we're talking about. The reason I think this is important is what I've always taught you is the way that you spread liberty is not by forcing it onto somebody, which many of the things that I would want to do, if we did them in society on land, would be forced upon people. Like getting rid of, at least half of our court system could just be done away with tomorrow. But some people want it. I would be forcing it upon them by taking it away when they don't want to take it away. Think about that. So, if we're the best thing we can do to spread liberty is demonstrate liberty, then there's different ways we can demonstrate liberty. And the best way is through action and proof that it works. Well, I can demonstrate certain things about liberty, like growing my own food on land, but I don't need land to demonstrate conflict resolution. And I don't need land to make conflict resolution easier, more fair, and less expensive to both sides. Do I? I don't need land to do that at all. So the reason we should do this, the biggest reason, is to demonstrate what liberty can do. How liberty can make life better. And can you do everything in a virtual nation that you can do in a physical nation? Not yet. Not yet. But you can do some things. So you do what you can with what you have. Have you heard that before? All right? So we wouldn't need senators, presidents, etc. And there'd be no President Spirico. And nothing I say is written in stone. And nothing I say is the way things have to be from going on forward. But what I want to talk to you now, now is... What makes a nation accepted by other nations? And where do virtual nations have an advantage because of this? And here's the value of this as a thought experiment. If you had asked me six weeks ago, Jack, what makes one nation recognize another nation? I would have given you some of the things on this list. There was no way I could have given you this entire list. As soon as we put this into a virtual nation concept, And it was, and the concept was challenged. How would you, how would you stay? How would you gain recognition? The list came. See, that's what thought experiments do. They, they, they give you information that was always there that you couldn't see. There, there's, there's to me six things that make one nation recognize another nation as a nation. The first is land. Okay. Now, it's not necessary to have land to be a nation. <laughs> the nation of Israel didn't have any land you know, prior to World War II, and hadn't had land for a long time, but it was a nation in concept. It was recognized, right? But land is one of the key things, and this is the big problem people see with a virtual nation, that when, when somebody controls land, we generally say if they control enough land a certain way with certain borders that they're a state or a nation. One nation recognizes the borders of another nation. It's one of the defining characteristics of it. Um... And we can have borders in a virtual nation. That's something I hadn't thought of before. The next one is hard force or military might. 
So hard force is my ability to use physical, on-the-ground, boots-on-the-ground, military-type force against you to make you comply. So if I say, hey, country A, stop selling your stuff to country B, and country A says, F you, I can blow them up. That's hard force. Or if country A is strong enough that I don't want to go into a direct conflict with them, I can disrupt the sale to B by saying B is violating some agreement, and I can bomb the shit out of B. So either way, I can stop something or create something or cause something to happen through hard force or hard power. All right, And a nation's hard power is also something that makes other nations recognize them. In the words of Ronald Reagan, no nation has ever been attacked because they were deemed to be too strong. Okay, So hard force. The next one is money. The next one is money. When there's enough money in circulation with inside an economy, that economic power causes one nation to have respect for, want relations with, and recognize the other nation as valid. So money. Next one is population. If there's a significant number of people with a common bond, and that common bond is expressed through actions, and those people are considered someone we either fear or want relationships with, either way, a population of a certain size starts to take on the characteristics of a nation and causes one nation to go, hey, there's 40 million of those people. Maybe we better pay attention to what they're saying. Right? Well, their hard force isn't that great, so we don't have to do that much. But yeah, you know, there's 40 million people there. We want to do business with them. We got to, we got to respect what they're asking us to respect, right? The next one is soft force or soft power. Now, soft power is the ability for a nation to get things done because of the clout they have, right? Because of their, their cachet, right? Because of who they are. So if the United States wants to get something done in Germany, We're not going to go to Germany and say, look, dude, you guys don't do this. If you don't do this, we are going to bomb the hell out of you guys. They, we don't do that. They're an ally. But don't think we don't exert soft force. Soft force is actually the ability to leverage things like money, population, and hard force. So with Germany, we would leverage money and population in the issuance of soft force. In another nation, we might leverage hard force. Might be like, look, guys, you don't clean this mess up, we're going to come in here and clean it up for you. Right? I'm not saying we should. I'm saying this is how nations work. Then the next one is defensive force. Defensive force is if another nation uses its hard or soft force against that nation, what is their ability to resist? And the stronger your defensive force, okay, the less likely it is that someone will use your, their hard force or even their soft force on you. So it gives you greater sovereignty to have strong defensive force. In other words, who wants to invade Switzerland? Even Hitler was like, I'd rather invade Russia than Switzerland. Okay? And Russia was a big mistake. No one wants to invade Switzerland. The nation that this nation is supposed to be, a nation of riflemen, even though Swiss have, the Swiss have pretty strict gun laws, when it comes down to it, there's a military weapon in the hands of every Swiss male, in their home. And if somebody invades Switzerland, they are going to be riddled with gunfire now. That's one type of defensive force. Switzerland has other types of defensive force, because they've always had a policy of commerce with all and alliances with none, 
They have become one of the banking centers of the world. Therefore, they have incredible defensive force in the fact that so many people have a vested interest in their survival. So other people would defend Switzerland because I don't want them to go away because, you know what, we have a lot of reserves there in those Swiss banks, and we, we run a lot of our commerce through Switzerland. So becoming somewhat of a virtual Switzerland might be a good idea. So let's go through them and look at how they work with virtual nations. Land. A virtual nation, by its very definition, would not hold land. Uh, if it did, it would cease to be a virtual nation and become a physical state, which is not really what we're trying to do at all. So any land holdings of a virtual nation would be uh, held by a private citizen. That, that's, that's who and how would hold land. Um, and by the way, for those that think the land path is the way to go, Peter Thiel, who is the guy trying to do something similar to this now, but not with a virtual, with a physical nation, is trying to build these floating states, these floating cities that act as independent autonomous entities. Uh, and he's doing that with billions of dollars made from selling PayPal, and uh, I don't know if it's going to work for him. I really don't. It's because it, it has so many problems when it comes to how do you get somebody to go live there, and how much money does it cost to go live there. But one thing he was right on when people were saying, well, like, you know, make a deal with Ecuador or something like that, or Nicaragua or something where other things like this are being tried with free zones and all, he said land is a sucker's game. Land is a target. And I agree. So the virtual nation would not hold or own land, yet it would be an advantage. So if we think about defensive force as being one of the things we need as a nation or one of the things that helps another nation recognize you, land is where the majority of money and effort is spent on defensive force, defining borders and keeping anybody from coming and taking what you have as a physical possession. Or the use of hard force is dependent upon your land and somebody else's land. So you can't bomb me if I don't have a land. If I don't have land, if I'm not, if I if I exist as a virtual country, bombing me is very very difficult for you to do. And so not having land actually would be a tremendous advantage to a virtual nation, in my my opinion, because there's 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 no need to maintain roads. So, yeah, okay, regular governments, you guys can take care of roads. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Charge gas taxes, do whatever you want. We don't have any. We have virtual roads that are very inexpensive to maintain. And each citizen provides their own road. That's their connection in. Right? So land we wouldn't have. Hard force. Given that the principal concept behind the libertarian philosophy is the non-aggression principle, we would not want hard force. I'm not saying it couldn't exist. Because you get a bunch of really gifted hackers together that create a nation and you start pissing them off, they got some pretty hard force they could exert, but we should not have hard force. We don't need hard force. In fact, we should basically say we are a nation that only uses soft force and defensive force. Because we adhere to the non-aggression principle, we will not attack anybody unprovoked period we are peaceful people and that's because as soon as this gets any legs under it they're going to try and say it's for criminal activity and terrorism so you have to say that you know all of our citizens the one thing we require of them is to adhere to the principle of non-aggression to be peaceful 
period. They'll still say you're lying, but you have that to put up. So no land and no hard force. Now what about money? I'll explain exactly how it works, but this entire system is based on money. And it's based on real money and value for value exchange. And the monetary force that a libertas could have could be massive over time. It could be a place where companies are trying to figure out how do we do business with them. So right now what people say is, well, if you do business with company X, and company X is in the United States, and you physically live in the United States, then it doesn't matter that it's done through... I don't know that, and you don't either. If you set the nation up, and you create value within the nation, and the companies decide, I want some of that, then maybe all the innovation doesn't have to come from just the people that create the nation, but from the people that want to do business with the nation. Let them take their billions of dollars and figure out how do we do business with this virtual nation and any other prosperous one that pops up. Because we want their money and we want a relationship with them. And there's certain things that we have to do and we're not sure how to do that. But it's amazing that the, when, when, when money is the object, that capitalism is pretty good at developing solutions. So we don't know exactly how that would work yet, but you do know that right now, There are many transactions that could take place with no physical delivery of goods. So there's plenty of stuff that people buy every day that no one actually receives anything physically. Like electronic books. Like educational products. Like contracts. Alright? So start to think that way. There's, there's an incredible, huge, massive piece of the global economy in those three things. Trillions of dollars if you add it up globally. A thin slice of that is massive. That's only three things. There's a hell of a lot more. So the physical exchange of things might have to be put further out. And part of this, you have to think about it like this. Nations rose from tribes. So you're building a tribe with the intent to become a nation. Okay? And that's the way that it's naturally happened in the physical world. So why can it not be the way that it happens in the virtual world? So money, we can have monetary power, economic force, right? And economic force can be negative or positive. Economic force is, we've been doing business with you. We're going to cease doing business with you because we don't like what you're doing. And it can be positive. Oh, we'd like to do business with you. Here's our money. Please give us what you have, right? So economic force can be positive or negative, but libertas would not make a, a centralized decision about how it spends its money. Libertas would allow every citizen to make its own decisions about whom it spends its money with and how, with no interference by the nation as a whole, but the collective will would be demonstrated through the choices of the individuals. So it would be very clear that if Ecuador came up with some kind of a deal and said, hey, Libertasians, You can travel to Ecuador, you can open a bank account in Ecuador, you can have a business, whatever they decide they want to let you do as a Libertasian. Okay? If the deal's a good deal, then there'd be lots of Libertasians taking it. If the deal was a bad deal, then there'd be little to none. And that, so there's, there's no need for a central authority to say, we'll take that deal or not. Well, how do we know it's a good deal? You make the judgment for yourself. Stop asking the government to make the, the decision for you. That's how. And anybody could set up 
I could, I'm not going to have Spearco stand, but I could have Spearco's Evaluation Services uh, Inc. And maybe we need a different thing other than Inc. or LLC. We call it so, like in South America, they call a corporation an SA, right? So maybe a new term for what a, a business entity would be called inside Libertas. But I could set that up, for instance, and say, we've evaluated the deal and we think it's good for people that do this and bad for people that do this. And if you want our endorsement, you can pay us for it. And you say, well, what makes you the authority? Because I've offered the service and you've chosen to take it. Because, you know, Insidious could set up Insidious's, uh, you know, advisory services, LLVN, all right? <laughs> Limited Liability Virtual National Corporation, right? And, and say, I am competing with Spirico and here's what I've done in the past and here's my expertise. And you can choose my evaluation services to help you make this decision of to whether or not to do this. And Ecuador could go out and pay Spirico and Insidious for independent reviews. And the citizens that accepted that review and went in and did business could then rate how valid the review was, and that would increase the value of my recommendations for similar things in the future, or give me big old fat demerits where people would say, Spirico doesn't know what he's doing, you better listen to Insidious about deals like this. Right? So... The whole concept by creating a currency situation where people can do business and money, no longer do we have to vote. The market votes by its choices. It's pretty simple. The next one is a population. Well, let's go back to land being a sucker's game. So if we set up Libertas, and all you have to do is deposit money in the Libertas Reserve, and you get an equal amount of money to spend in Libertas, and you can take your Libertasian coin and cash it back in and leave any time you want, it's pretty easy to move there. Okay, now, there's some other objections to be like, well, what about if a bunch of takers show up? Well, since there's no taxes, and you pay for what you want and don't pay for what you don't want, I don't really care. But by setting a number that's something reasonable, I don't know, $500, right? Or the equivalent in your currency, converted to Bitcoin to get in the door, and you can take it with you when you leave, again, unless you've spent it, then the person showing up clearly is coming with the intent of doing something productive. And the beauty is the first people in this place would all be business people, all be entrepreneurs. You'd have to have something to sell to really want to do business in Libertas. Like Member Support Brigade. Right? So, or, you know, some kind of premium podcast product. These would be great products to sell in there. Hosting. Well, your server has to be somewhere. I'm sure there's nations that would host your server that don't care. That you're just like, if you're buying space, I'm sure there's some nations out there that just, I, we're not getting involved in that. Maybe Switzerland. I don't know, right? So there's all kinds of things that could be done. And what you would have then is, well, if there's enough people out there that like what I'm saying, I can do business in Libertas, and then maybe I can actually buy my server space in Libertas. So the initial population would all be made up of innovative, creative, and risk-taking entrepreneurs who would be sharing and value with each other, and they would specifically bring that which can be sold in a virtual environment with them when they got there. Therefore, it would be the basis and foundation of an economy. And as that grew, any, any person that said, I like what's going on here, I want to check this out, I want to be part of this, and I can do this risk-free, would be willing to give it a shot. 
And if you gave it a shot and your money was safe, and it was no different than holding $500 worth of Bitcoin, except that it was all in this virtual economy, you're pretty safe to leave your money there. Eh, why not? So you could build a tremendous population with this really, really fast. Who gets the money? Again, I'll give you the whole concept I have, and it might be able to be made better, but nobody does. It's a reserve. So you can have it back. I don't get it. Okay, Again, I don't want to do this. But if this was me, and you deposited $500, converted to Bitcoin, and then exchanged out to Liberty Coin into you know, Liberty Stan, you, you, I don't get it. It's virtual, and it exists in cyberspace. And it's held. And I'll get into how. But because it's that simple, you could probably get... I don't know, over a few years, a few million people. That's a substantial population. That cannot be ignored by a global market. And you're playing to the market, not to the government. We, the peaceful people of Libertas, are now two million strong. We're all over the world. We'd like to do business with you. Please come to our nation and do business with us. Huh? And... Well, we're not sure how to do business with you. Here's how we work. You figure it out. Make us the deal. It might involve the citizen on the other end of it having some tax obligation to their nation of residence. Okay? And it might not. Make the deal and we'll decide whether we'll take it or not. Population, no problem. Soft force. Everything I just said, the money and the population are the way that soft force is developed. So soft force is, instead of waiting for Ecuador to come to us, a group of, of entrepreneurs that have been successful in Libertas go to the Ecuadorian government and say, hey, we have a deal for you. Would you be interested? Well, how's it work? Like this. And who do you represent? Well, really, we represent ourselves. We're the people doing this initiative, but... We're going to make this offer as a fellow Libertasian citizen to 2.2 million other Libertasians. And here's our track record within Libertas, and here's how we've worked with other outside entities, and would you be interested? And what stops, if I'm doing that, Insidious from going, we're doing that too? Nothing. Nothing. Whoever comes up with the better deal wins the deal. Maybe there's two deals and citizens choose which one to take. Choice is a wonderful thing, is it not? But soft force is there. Defensive force. Done right. This could be the strongest defended nation in the world. You see the objections are, well, they'll just shut down your server. My server? I don't have a server. We'll, we'll shut down the, the country's servers. The country doesn't have servers. The country has millions of servers. This could be done in a distributed network style, where if you shut one down, another one just takes over its responsibilities. Every citizen could be contributing to the computing power necessary to do this. Or there could be a bank of servers somewhere that you can't get to. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. It's not my deal. I don't want to do this. I just damn well know it can be done. All right, And I know the th that things that can be done now can be, be made better by the tomorrow where this would exist in. So defensive force could be through the roof. It's like trying to kill a, a colony of roaches by killing one. It just can't be done. 
Now, could there be blowback? Could other nations not like this? Could other nations target individuals as evil Libertasians? Sure. But, see, the more people you get and the more money you get and the more soft force you exert, the harder it is for that to be done. You're creating a diplomatic situation here. Well, we're going to come down on this guy because he's a Libertasian. Oh, hold on now. There's 2.2 million other of those people out there. They might not be too hip on this. By the way, several nations have now recognized them as, as maybe not a nation, but as, as a legitimate entity. And uh, they're not going to be ups- you know, they're not going to be happy about that either. And uh, what are you doing? Right? I mean, one of the reasons that you've seen stuff like this sort of kind of done by Native American tribes is it's like a, a, no politician wants to be the guy stepping on an Indian today. It's like, oh, do you do what? Ah, uh, yeah, you got to go. But but you love me. Yeah, I don't anymore. You got to. I mean, you it, you can't. It's a third wheel. So you you're trying to create that diplomatic third wheel. You, you're hurting people who aren't hurting you. By the way, who are complying with all your laws within their within your country. They're only doing business in their own country, their own way. And any time that business exits that country and goes into your country, it's subject to your laws. Not because they say so, because you say so. And it's up to that individual citizen to figure out how to do that. Well, someone sold marijuana on the... I don't know, someone sold marijuana on my street yesterday, probably. That doesn't make anything illegitimate just because crimes happen there. In fact, you could make this a very crime-free environment, first of all, by decriminalizing anything without a victim, and then leaving law enforcement of victim-based crimes to law enforcement where they occur. In other words, I can't hit you in Libertas. I can't rob you in Libertas. We can build the security into the financial exchanges to where robbery is impossible and immediately reversible, so there's no incentive to it. But I can't, I can't break into your house through Libertas. I have to break into your house in Germany or France or the United States or Mexico or Canada, right? So you leave to the state, at least for now, that which the state can do that you can't or the state can do that you don't need to. And you do the things you can do for yourself. And there is no reason that this society can't create money, population, soft force, and defensive force. And... Without hard force or land, it's still more than enough to be recognized as a nation. Because if the the case was made, well, they have no hard force. Oh, so you're against people that are peaceful? They have no land. Oh, so Israel wasn't a nation until we gave them a piece of land? Gee, you want to have that political debate? Let's go. Come on. I'll get on what it was one of them Fox News shows right now and debate with any monkey that they want to send up to me if if that's going to be your argument that the absence of land and and and, and threat of violence doesn't make me a nation. Please, I come on, let's get that being discussed at a national level right now. That's what makes us a nation: our ability to kill people and the fact that we we hold possession of land. Who really? You want to do that? Let's go. So let's talk about that. What is a nation and what is a state? These are actual definitions provided by Insidious, once again. That's why he gets to be the owner of Insidiousstan and other things when I'm talking about people competing with Spirkistan uh, today because he had such a great contribution. Just in this alone, a nation is defined as a large group of people who share a common language, culture, ethnicity, descent, or history. Okay, A state is an organized community living under one government. Notice neither one of them say a thing about land. I do want to back up a second, because the one thing that we didn't cover when we talked about these things was defined borders. 
And we usually think of that because of land. So I think defined borders is going to get added to the list right now. I'm going to put that up there. I'm actually typing it in, defined borders, okay, um, as one of the ways that nations recognize. So not that they're necessary, because remember, I just said land is not necessary and hard force is not necessary to be a nation. But defined borders is a way that you're recognized. Well, the virtual borders would be the defined borders. Now, defined borders does not mean you're anti-immigration. Defining your borders means this is where you've left, this is where you've left country A and entered country B. That's where this is. An immigration policy is whatever the nation decides. Again, I'm suggesting that it would be a, a contribution to the reserves, which lends value to the currency that business has done in. So basically, we'd be like coming to a country, and I'm going to hold off on that because I'm going to go there. But anyway, once you once you entered and did business within Libertas, that would be the defined border. So you can have defined borders as well. So there's seven things. We have five if we want to do this. So back to the difference between a nation and a state. Again, neither one says land, but a nation would be a large group of people. Can we do that? Yes. Who share a common language. Can we do that? I think the language is digital communications. Okay, We communicate digitally. And with translation software, we actually have a more common language than any other nation in the world. Because I can talk to somebody who speaks French. And we can clearly understand each other with translation software. So we have a digital language. We have a common culture. The culture of Libertas would be the culture of liberty. And ethnicity. We're virtual. It doesn't apply. Descent. They've come from the same place. We all come from planet Earth. And we all come from a place where we're not happy with our government. History. We're writing our own right now. Libertas, if it's established by that definition, becomes a nation as soon as there's more than a few people there. By the very definition of the world. A state is an organized community living under one government. I don't really want that. The whole point is to not have government. So it would be a nation, not a state. I want to talk about how the economy might work right now. Because I think this is actually very doable. And... It may not be that Bitcoin is the perfect reserve, but it's a good example to work with for now. There may end up being a better reserve currency, if you want to call it that, for Libertas. Okay, so say we set up the framework of Libertas. It's there. It can function. There's nothing in it yet, but the shell exists. And people are lining up at the border. I want to go out and be a pioneer in this brave new nation. Well, you'd set an amount for contribution to the National Reserve, and you'd establish that. So it would be clear, and so that there would be some value brought by every citizen that came. There's some cost. It's not really a cost, but it's a cost, because it had to be acquired somewhere else. So the way you would do that, and we're going to use Bitcoin for this, but I'm not saying it would be the thing, but this Bitcoin would be perfect for right now. Citizen goes and uses any service of their choosing to purchase $500 worth of Bitcoin, whatever you call it. And they, they, they now have the Bitcoin. When they, get, when they get to the border of Libertas, they buy Libertas coin with Bitcoin. And it doesn't have to be a one-for-one -one exchange, but it has to be fixed. So it would be the, the, the computer, out, not I say so, the computer algorithms would be written so for each Bitcoin and fractions thereof, 10 Liberty Coins are issued. So it's a 10 to 1 fixed exchange rate, and it's pegged. Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin goes down, 
Liberty coin goes up, Liberty coin goes down, a fixed pegged exchange rate. Okay? So you come in and let's say you put in two Bitcoins, which is just under $1,000. You say, that's how much I want to bring with me. Okay, fine. I, there's no customs agent or anything like that. You just buy your coin. And the very issuance of coin to you makes you a Libertasian citizen. You now have all rights and privileges of a Libertasian citizen within Libertas. Not outside of Libertas, just inside Libertas for now. Okay, So that's done. I don't get your money. And I know there's people out there still thinking, how does he get my money? I don't. Since I'm not doing this, there's no way. But if I was the one doing this, I would still not get your money. The system would be set up to create a Bitcoin vault. A multiple level of security Bitcoin vault. So right now, just so you understand how this works, I have a Coinbase account. And I can hold money in you know, a place where it's immediately available. Or if I have a certain quantity of money and I don't want to take it out of Bitcoin and I don't want to take it out of Coinbase, I can put it in a vault. Well, And I'll say, okay, move two of my Bitcoins into a vault. And Coinbase says, okay, we have one email address on file. You please enter another valid email address. So I give them two email addresses and a cell phone number. And then the money goes into the vault. Once it's in the vault, anytime I want it out of the vault, I can take it out of the vault. But it will take 48 hours to come out of the vault back into my account. Okay. When I make a request, I want to take my money out of the vault, and I initiate opening the vault. It sends an email to both emails. I must click verify on both of those, and it sends a text message that I have to verify on my phone. Therefore, it takes three verifications. And even if you hacked my email account, you'd have to have hacked my Coinbase account, both of my email accounts, and you'd have to have physical possession of my phone to get at that money, even if you did that. It would take 48 hours for that money to move from the vault back to the account. And during that 48 hours, all my methods of notification would have multiple notifications. Did you really want to do this? Did you really want to do this? Did you really? And any time during that 48 hours, I can hit cancel. That's more secure than money is in any bank right now. That's the type of vault I would see for Libertas. When you bought the Liberty Coins, it would be the thing that created them. Okay, so there's not 10 right now. You bring a Bitcoin, there are 10. And as long as the system has a record that you're at least X positive inside the, the economy, you remain a citizen. The day you take out anything below that threshold and you've left, so you've, you brought in 500, you, you took out 100, now you have 400 sitting there, you can have them, but you can't do business. Right? This is an incentive to build the reserve. But, again, I don't hold your reserve. Now, does that mean that you would take 48 hours for you to get your money back if you decided to leave? Yeah. It's pretty open immigration policy. I think if any nation out there offered it right now, uh, they would be overrun. You just have to put money in our bank. You have to, 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 to not take out of the nation uh, sufficient that you're, you're behind on 500 bucks. And you have all the rights and privileges. You can leave anytime you want. It just takes two days to get your money back when you leave. And you could trust the system because it was set up to run that way. I, I think that's a pretty liberal immigration policy, don't you? And then you spend your money inside the economy. And you make money inside the economy. And you do whatever you will with the money that's inside the economy, the Liberty coin. And so you say, well, let's say I put 500 bucks in. And I come in there. And I buy a bunch of stuff, and now I only have a uh, hundred left. Can I leave? You can leave. You can take your hundred with you, 
but your 400 remains in the National Reserve because you spent your money. And I was explaining this to one person. He said, so somebody's getting screwed in that example. No. How is, how is anybody getting screwed there? See, our minds are so switched on to ask government to do things for us, but yet not trust them, that we can't see that a system like this has no one to trust. It's, it's written into the code. You can't change it. It just is. If you come to my house and say, Jack, I'd like to give you $500 to hold for me while I'm here. Would you put it in a box? I, and I say, uh-huh. And then somebody else comes to my house and says, I have this item for sale, and, and, and I don't want it, but you do. And you look at it and say, how much you want? And they say, $250. And I, I, it's none of my business. I don't care. And, and then after you guys agree to that, you tell me, Jack, I, I need $250 out of my box so I can give it to him for the thing. Uh, okay, so I go to the box and I unlock it and I get $250 out and $250 stays in there and I lock the box and I give you your $250 and you spend it. And then a day later you say, I'm leaving now, I'd like my money back. Well, how much do you get? $250 or $500? You spent $250, you get the other $250, the other $250 is gone. That's how this would work. It, it's, it's that simple. That's all it is. And does Bitcoin do a lot of this already? Yeah. But not the way that this would be designed. This would be designed for the, for the purpose of saying we are a nation. That every single person that chose to do business would be making a global statement, this is who we are. And this is, what we, this is the one thing that unites us. Non-aggression. And we believe that government force is aggression. And therefore, we've selected a peaceful alternative where the things that can be done without government are, and we keep innovating and working toward more and more things that can be done without government. And in all the things that can't be done without government for now, we accept that, and we maybe are not happy about it, but we choose to do business with the government in those ways. This is our place of demarcation. Okay? So why do that? It is an example. Again, an example to the world. These are all these things that you think only government can do, and we're doing them without government here. We're doing them without force here. We're doing them in a free market contractual way with peaceful resolutions to problems. Here's, an, here's how it works. Now, how might we do more of that? It's also a peaceful revolution in protest. You can carry signs all you want. No one gives a shit. They don't care if you march. They just care that eventually you go home and pay your taxes or consume somebody else's taxes. They don't care. It doesn't matter. And a revolution of the physical kind is not practical in the modern world. It results in bloodshed. It is aggression. Because it's the whoever's revolting in a forcible physical revolution is forcing what they want onto others who may not want it. Well, they're forcing things onto me. I know that. But a revolution in modern times, if we are to say that we are truly peaceful and not for the use of force, unless we're defending ourselves, has to leave the person that wants the government in their life the choice to leave the government in their life. I just don't want to be coerced into participation. So I'll leave what I can leave, and I'll keep doing what I have to. And I'll look for more and more ways to leave more and more and more. That is a protest and a revolution that matters. That will get people's attention. I think the hardest thing to do right now 
if you do this, is going to be to survive the middle. In the beginning, when it's a few hundred, a few thousand, ten thousand people, no one will care. Even if they think there's a technicality they could burn somebody on, they're not going to do it. Because if we, if we attack it, we give it legitimacy. So any government with a brain is going to go, no, no, no. They might even pass a law. You're not allowed to do that, but we don't really care. Right? Once you're a couple of million strong, it's game over. You can't do anything about it. It's just like Bitcoin. It's, a, it's for criminals. Oh, you can use it to contribute to uh, presidential candidates now, and Comcast takes it, and Dish Networks takes it, and you can get gift cards, and uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's cool. Because at a certain point, it hits a tipping point. So the middle would be where the danger would be where they, you might be attacked, and you need to have a good defensive force plan. And that defensive force plan is to create good anonymous relationships for your citizens. So they can disclose who they are to each other, but somebody on the outside can't figure out who's doing what. And even again, if somebody from a government hacked in and got a list of transactions, they'd get a bunch of gobbledygook numbers. There's, there's technologies that do this that are very, very old and have been implemented in, in the, the Bitcoin blockchain technology. One would be a form of what you call multiplexing. So in long-distance phone calls of old, Back when I, here's truly, used to work for a company called MCI as a contractor, um, we had a technology that we used and every long-distance company used, and I'm sure it's still used today, called multiplexing. And there's different versions of it. But one worked like this. You made a phone call to your Aunt Edna, and you think that your phone call just goes straight to Aunt Edna. But what actually happens is your phone call often is broken into different pieces, and they're sent, and then they're reassembled on the other end, back the way they started. Because there was certain amounts of space available here, there, and there, so I plexed your conversation into multiple points and reassembled them on the other end and done some other things in there like canceling out echo and things like that for you and dropping noise and refilling it with white noise so that the sound of the call is clear on the other end. That's called multiplexing and some other texts I threw in there at you that you really don't need to know. Well, there's a thing called ZeroCoin that does this right now with Bitcoin. I want to buy from you, and I don't want anybody to know that I bought from you, and you don't want anybody to know that I bought from you, so we use ZeroCoin. And what ZeroCoin does is it takes my Bitcoin, and it breaks it up into millions of pieces. And they all go through different ways, and then they all reassemble on the other end from multiple points of origin. And if you're looking at that in the blockchain, it's impossible to ferret out, especially if there's a couple million transactions doing it. So... And that technology can be made better. So you have to have a defensive force to survive the middle, which is basically you have to be so confusing to them that as they're trying to get their hands around it and control it and how to, just like Bitcoin, that's what happened. We're going to tax guidance, but then we're making it legitimate. But if we don't, then how do we say that they owe us money? And it will keep flowing. It's an asset. And if it goes up and they issue tax guidance and they're like, still for criminals. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, shit. It just is. That's what you have to do. You have to be so hard to stop in the middle that by the time they figure out what they want to do, there's too many of you to do it. So that's how you get through the middle. That's the peaceful revolution and protest. And it's to assert your individual liberty however we can. How many times do people say, well, you know, we need to do something. And what are you going to do? Vote? For who? For what? Now, I, I've seen some minor progresses made with decriminalization of certain things and things like that. But again, we're going to the government saying, will you please let us? That's not liberty. 
What this is is saying, these are the things we can do on our own. We don't need you for, don't bother us. But we don't think, we didn't ask you what you th thought. We didn't ask your permission. We are free sovereign beings doing what we want to do over here in a way that fits your model. We've asserted ourselves as a nation. We're doing business globally right now. When we do business with you, we will do business with you by your laws. We're not doing business. Go away. And if not, if not this way, then how? What's going to be left if this isn't done soon? What way are you going to revolt? What way are you going to assert your individual liberty? How, how else is there to do this? And the reason I think it would work is because it's radically different than anything that's ever been done before. Yet it fits the technical legal boxes of the way the world works right now. In other words, it, it, it causes this group of people or multiple groups of people, because it's not just Mike, it could be a, there could be one that's based on, I don't know, people that like dogs. Dogistan, I don't know, whatever, you, just like there's dog coin. So it could be any way that you wanted it to be, but you, you've got a situation where you have this group of people acknowledging everybody else in the world as a nation as a nation and saying, we'll do business with you and this is how you do business in our nation and when we're in your nation, we'll do business your way. But yet the whole concept is so different because you're, You people that want a minarchist state or an anarchist state, either one, you're not going to ever get there doing things the way that they've been done throughout history. You have to reinvent what it means to be a nation, what it means, what the word government means. You have to change the way that it works, not change the system that can't be changed. I just did a show on this, and I was explaining that the reason we have the results we do from the they's in government and the they's in authority is because that's how the system works. It's like a pilot flying a plane. If you tell the pilot to fly the plane backwards, he can't. If you change him to change, tell him to change course, he can't. If he does, there's a lot of consequences to it. If you want him to go underwater with a plane, he can't. If you want him to go to the moon with a plane, he can't. You need a sub to go underneath the, the water and a spaceship to go to the moon. If you want something that flies like a plane, goes in the ocean, and goes to the moon, you need a completely new vehicle. Well, if you want a government that recognizes individual rights, a nation that recognizes individual rights, through saying, we don't interfere with this, We allow people to resolve their own conflicts. We provide a framework and a structure. Then you have to build a new machine. You need a new vehicle. That's what I'm suggesting this is. And one of the great things that came out of it was why don't we then focus on providing the things to people and businesses that the state is doing right now or the state is involved with right now and why don't we do it for less money and do it better? I think one of the first places is the court system, conflict resolution. And you could have businesses choosing to do certain parts of business in Libertas simply for the conflict resolution aspect of it. That you have a contract that's electronic in nature that binds both parties to certain obligations and as the contract progresses, each side ticks a box. That's been done to satisfaction. And at the end... The, the, the contract's no longer necessary once the 
issue is resolved or delivered, or if it's an ongoing relationship, it just kind of sits there in hover mode until such time that either party says, hey, there's a problem. Binding and non-binding forms of arbitration, just like exist in the physical world, except they're in a virtual world. And companies could be formed and offer services that do that. And the way I think you would rate an arbitrator is how satisfied is the person that lost? If you have an arbitrator that has generally good recommendations from the side that lost, you have a fur arbitrator. And if they have hide marks from both sides, you know you have a fair arbitrator. But the side that's going to really tell the tale. In many instances, conflict resolution taken through this very quickly, very fairly, and based on the prior agreements. I think one of the places this could really have a huge impact would be somewhere that people wouldn't generally think about. How about marriage? What if people decided... It's just better to get married in Libertas. <laughs> yeah, I might even be recognized as married in the state that I'm in, but I, I'm going to I'm going to run my marriage in Libertas. You know, anything that, that's uh, ticking a box on a form, it will just be a common law marriage, which is perfectly sound in this country that I'm in right now, in the United States anyway. I don't know how it works in other nations, but here in most states, if you live together, cohabitate together, bank together in the, in the real world, then you're married if you say you are. You don't have to get a license from the state to say that you're married. But the, the, the marriage certificate and the conflict resolution, if the marriage should dissolve, would exist in Libertas, like a prenuptial agreement without all the bullshit in the courts getting involved. I mean... If you want to know what a racket the family court system in this country is, I got a movie for you to watch. It's called Divorce Corp. And it shows how the family court system and the divorce court system is nothing but a money-making racket for the legal system in the state. And how everybody suffers and how the whole system is set up to encourage conflict. And if you watch it, it'll make you sick as an American. And when they show you how other nations handle a divorce, especially custody issues with children, it will make you sick to your stomach. And it will make you absolutely 100% shamed that our nation that's supposed to be the greatest nation in the world is so pathetic in the way this works. And so even in a situation where both parties agree in divorce in our nation today, in many instances the courts still get involved and still cause a lot of conflict. And even when there is a prenuptial agreement, what stops the other side from saying, I don't want that deal anymore. I want to, and still, and even if they lose, how much is lost? What if you got married in Libertas and in the sad state that you got a divorce in Libertas, you got a Libertasian divorce and everything was already agreed upon and all the boxes were already checked and everybody already knew it was going to happen and it just did. And it was done. Well, how would that apply to assets in the real world? I don't know, but I know how it would apply to Libertasian assets. And I know that certain things like visitation of children and all, you could have set up to say this is the decision. Would Texas recognize that? I doubt it, but, you know, are you a Libertasian or not? How do you enforce it? You don't. But if you have two parties that have agreed to something, many times the simple fact that that agreement was made clear and then reissued and remade clear again actually creates quite a bit of compliance. What if companies had the same option? 
that You know, it's just better whenever we can to do business in one of these virtual nations because if there's a contract dispute, even if we lose, it costs us less and takes up less time and less resources. So conflict resolution. Education. Education is a trillion-dollar global market. So most educational products today do not require physical presence of the student or the teacher or physical books or physical paper, or physical anything. They can be 100% virtual. So maybe you would want to get your degree from Libertasian University, or Insidious University in Libertas. Maybe you would want to learn how to keep bees in Libertas. Maybe you would want to get any type of professional certification in Libertas. What if nobody recognizes it? In the end... Most pieces of paper that say that you've been recognized are just pieces of paper. What people really are concerned about is can you do what you say you can do? And if the certification is issued to enough people that qualify and, and don't screw things up, then all of a sudden that certification has value. So it wouldn't really matter that the certification was from Libertas because it's not a Libertasian certification. It's a certification by an entity doing business in Libertas with you. So the education certification market is wide open. There's absolutely no reason not to do it right now in the virtual. It's being done. All you do is just move it inside. That's it. <laughs> And testing would be absolutely 100% auditable. It, it just makes sense. How about security? Well, Jack, how can Libertasi and security, you know, secure my house? Well, they can't, but they can. There can be security services to better secure your assets held in Libercoin, and you could have the sec security is also part of the conflict resolution component. So, by having the right security in place, the conflict resolution doesn't even have to happen. The better we have of security, the security between two entities doing business with each other, the less potential we have for conflict resolution. What if I just don't pay you until I get my product, but my product doesn't work until I pay you? Kind of like licensing on software. I could download it for free, but until I put the license key in, it doesn't work. But I have the product, so all I'm purchasing is the license key. There's all types of security products that can be built like that that would actually improve the business climate in Libertas and make it very safe. What about privacy? There's all types of ways to have privacy right now, and there's all types of ways that privacy is interfered with. But could not... See, so, when you're in Libertas, would, would anybody be able to see what you're doing? I don't know. Probably. If for no other reason that they could join too. But what if, when two people wanted to do business... There could be a privacy... A, a, remember in Maxwell Smart, the cone of silence, right? A virtual cone <laughs> that worked for real, you know, right? Not the one that they always had in that funny-ass old show. But this virtual cone of silence that when two parties enter into that, everything that happens is completely private. A private room. A private room within a private suite, within a private vault. Multiple layers of privacy. So how does Libertas provide that? They don't. A business doing business in Libertas builds whatever they want to build and offers it there. 
How about leadership? How, how, how many times are we told that our problem in this country is poor leadership? Do you see it getting better anytime soon? So people actually will pay for leadership. You don't believe it? You ever make a political contribution? You, you paid for leadership. You just didn't know that's what you were doing. And you probably didn't get what you paid for. There's a lot of ways to look at the leadership quotient. So one of the ways we could look at the leadership quotient is that um, leadership is like consulting. So consultants enter into a business agreement this way. So I've decided I want to rewire my entire office building. It's a physical world thing. Somebody's going to come here and do that. And... I don't have the technical expertise to look at the bids from all the contractors and to write the specification that the contractors are going to bid against. And it would be really expensive for me to hire somebody to do this one time, and I'm not going to need to do this again for years. So I'll hire a consultant, and that consultant will then take a look at my blueprints and spec out all the parts and all the things and decide exactly kind of what my budget is going to be. And, and then I will take that request for quote, And I'll send it out to 10 contractors. 10 contractors will bid on it. And then I won't pick the contractor that wins the bid. The consultant will pick the contractor that wins the bid. Because it's not just about price. It's about the, 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 the response that the contractor wrote, examining the contractor's capabilities and things like that. You say, well, that's all physical world. No, it's not. No, it's not. The relationship between the company and the contractors in the physical world, the relationship between the company And the consultant absolutely could be in the virtual world. Everything can be done electronically. The consultant never needs to step foot. All the specifications, all the building prints, everything could be provided. And the consulting arrangement could exist in the virtual nation. And that consultant's providing leadership on the project. Even though they're not there. And then the contract res resolution, the conflict resolution between the company and the contractor would exist in America or Mexico, right? But any kind of conflict resolution, which and it usually happens at the consulting level, okay, would exist in Liberstan. Got it? Or Libertas, right? It's, it's, it's a very, very simple thing. Leadership also exists in religions. How many churches do you think are really sickened by the fact that when they spend money in their economies, they know that that spending, even though they're not taxed, generates commerce and taxes, and those, 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 that money is used to murder people in other countries. Yes, they said murder, because that's what I think it is sometimes. I don't think it always is, but I think sometimes it's not killing, it's murder. If you're killing an innocent person with the knowledge that that's what you're doing, I consider it murder. So if our nation bombs a wedding to kill a bad guy, who really, even if he really is a bad guy, but we know we're going to kill innocent people when we do it, we've, we've, we've taken out a combat target. If you want to, if you want to go that far, if it's the right guy, I would even acknowledge it. That's a combat target he's been taken out. Not necessarily for it, but I'll acknowledge that. But everybody around him that died is collateral damage. My ass. It's murder. How many churches do you think are like, you know, I really don't like that? Well, what if they could move the majority of their money, their contributions, etc., into the virtual world? What if people went to church online? So the church didn't need a building. And what if leadership was for a fee? And a fee is a voluntary fee in a church because it's a contribution. There's all types of leadership. 
that people pay for every day that's virtual. From consulting to religious consultations, legal consultations. A lawyer could charge for his services in the virtual world, but the contract could be executed in the, in the physical world. That's another type of leadership. Commerce. The cost of actually doing business. Now, most of this would be direct, so a lot of that would go out the window, but there are things in commerce like, how do we set this up? Okay? So you have a two companies that want to do business, and they're in that situation I talked about. How do we do business inside Libertas and minimize the business outside of Libertas? That's a commerce question. Well, instead of a department of commerce... There are going to be people that say, we consult in that. We provide commerce solutions for Libertasians. Right? How about product quality assurance? So that would be what I started kind of talking about in the beginning, where if you wanted to know if you should take the deal Ecuador is offering, Insidious has Insidii, you know, VNLC, right? <laughs> Quality assurance. And so there's a product quality assurance, and any product can either ask for review or be commissioned by a buyer prior to purchase for review. So let's say I'm thinking about setting up some sort of software suite, and I want that software suite to do certain things. Well, All I know is the GUI end of it, the part I'm going to see. So software development would be another thing that could be done virtually. And my problem is I don't really know if this product is the right quality, even though it seems to do what I've asked for it to do. So somebody that's a software engineer might set up a software quality assurance business that while my product's being developed, they oversee the development of it for a fee. That's just one. There could be hundreds and thousands of permutations of quality assurance that we rely on for government right now. USDA stamped chicken, which means your chicken has been sufficiently irradiated, uh, antibioticized, and dipped in enough chlorine that the E. coli left on it shouldn't kill you if you cook it right. Okay? So why can't there be quality assurances in the virtual world? Why can't there be quality assurance in the virtual world of products sold in the physical world. I mean, if you are a gunsmith and I am asked to review one of your modifications to weapons and say that it's good and valid, and you send me the, 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 the part and I evaluate it and I determine that it does exactly what you say it does, We haven't exchanged any money, and your part goes back to you, or it's just considered a cost of doing business thing, whatever. There's no commerce there yet. But if you pay me in Libertas, and I leave my payment in Libertasian currency, it's Libertasian business. And you can say whatever you want about the tax code says where this thing happens, but how do they police that? Again, I'm not saying we're going to do it this way. I'm just saying it's just a way to think about this. So, because the work that's being paid for isn't me at my evaluation, it's my opinion. My opinion occurs over here, my experience occurs over there. In other words, 
if I had a great deal of experience working on Chevy cars and I developed all that experience working on Chevy cars in the United States as a United States citizen and I immigrated to Canada and then I used the knowledge I acquired in the United States to do business in Canada as a consultant about Chevy cars, well, the United States doesn't get to tax that. It's business in Canada. So I've, I've gained the experience with your product in the real world. But I've issued the certification and done the work that you're paying for in the virtual world. Now, do you, I'm not saying for a minute that the government's going to be okay with this. What I'm going to say is if you do it right, it's going to be very difficult for them to do anything about it. And that it may, in fact, be that they'll issue tax guidance that you comply with. It's still worth doing because you're doing it without them and you're minimizing their involvement and their knowledge of what you're doing, which is what we want. Less government, less tax, less interference. So even if you can't get no government, no tax, and no interference, is not less better. Is it not a step in the right direction? And the more you can prove, the more it's difficult for them to combat And my question would be, instead of asking me, well, what's my incentive to join? What's your incentive to join? What could you do there? If this existed tomorrow, if, if we had a, because it's not going to, okay? And again, I'm not doing it. I'm trying to get the conversation going and get people to do it. Maybe 20 different groups to try it and see which one works best. That would be best. Okay? But if it did exist, if this place was there, and if it was pioneer days in Libertas, people just bringing in the metaphorical covered wagon, what would you do? If you went there, what would you create? How would you engage in business? What value could you bring? Because it, the way you get value is to give value. So what's in it for me? Uh, not shit until you do something of value. How do you prevent takers? There you go. The person that comes in and says, what's in it for me? Even if they're not really a taker, they're in a taker mindset. But what's in it for me? Not shit. till you do something of value. So people want to do business with you. Oh, now what would you do? What business? That, that would be the greatest thing in the comments for this thread. What business would you create in Libertas? Cost of entry is low. 500 bucks to show up. Cost of doing business is nothing. The only requirement is you agree to non-aggression. That's it. Any conflict resolutions, you have to find your own way and your own people to develop those conflict resolutions. What would you do? What would you do? Financial advisor? Oh, you can't do that. You got the SEC. And, well, I don't know. I think Libertas might have its own stock exchange, wouldn't it? Where people could buy shares in real companies? I don't know. How would it work? I don't know. Somebody have to build it. Maybe that's what you would do. And charge a fee to be listed. Virtual stock market already exists. It's called Empire Avenue. You go right there and see how it works. You can, you can buy free stock in uh, TSP. Uh, the ticker symbol TSPC on Empire Avenue. It already exists. So why couldn't a version of that exist? using Libertasian currency within Libertas. Well, then maybe you'd have services that rated investments 
Well, how do you know their investment ratings are valid? Well, how were they rated? How What is their performance? We don't need a Security and Exchange Commission to, to figure out how to do that. Well, they want to, and they want to tell everybody how to do everything, but it's not even Bitcoin now. It's a thing you bought with a thing that you bought with a thing that you're doing something with. I, I guarantee you the SEC would not be cool with this. The question is, what could they do about it? What could they do about it? What could the SEC do about it if the guy that set this up in Libertas was an Australian? I don't think they could do jack shit about it. Well, Jack, they'll come shut your computer off. My computer wouldn't. I'm not doing this. Okay? I'm not behind it. Hundreds of people would be required to do this. Working together and independently to do this. Which is why it would be possibly unstoppable. It's just an idea. It may be an idea that never happens. But how many new things might be created because of it? How many little tugs and pulls toward liberty might be created because we seriously examine this? And if it is created, remember what Orion Martin from Sidekick.co said. The one thing that gets the government's attention is money. So one thing they respect. So if you created something like this and it started to work and the government wanted you to comply, but you had a strong defensive force and they couldn't figure out how to get it, might they give a little here and give a little there and yield a little bit of this and say, yeah, you guys can do that over time. Not tomorrow, but over time. And my final thoughts on this is we're talking about a revolution. One does not request permission to revolt. You don't write a letter and say, Dear Master, is it acceptable to you if I revolt? <laughs> One does not worry that the way they wish to do things in a revolution is not possible now. That is actually the reason for the revolution. And it's peaceful. And it's not fraudulent. It's not fraudulent in any way. I'm saying that the only way I see to make this kosher, for lack of a better term, would be that any time monies came out, the tax consequences of that extraction would be subject to the tax laws of the place they came out at. They'd have to be. And it may even be that a nation would say, you, if you're doing that, then we see a tax consequence this way, and we want you to pay that obligation. But wouldn't it be interesting if you sent them a promissory note that they can claim when they come to Libertas to get it? You have to pay it in euros. I don't have any. We'll take your euros. I, I, I'm sorry. I do 100% of my business in Libertas, and I don't have any euros anymore. Well, how do you buy a house? I don't own the house. I rent the house in Libertas. Somebody else owns the house. Talk to him about it. Well, they go talk to him, and he says, well, I don't collect the rent. Collection agency collects it in Libertas, and I pay them a fee, and they pay me in euros, and I've already paid you your tax in euros. I don't know what to tell you. Shit, go back to this guy. I want your euro. We don't. I'm telling you, this is worth the money. This is exactly what you're asking for. All you have to do is get your own citizenship and you can go claim it. And you can leave with it and you can make it in euros. Bye-bye. 
Is that fanciful? I think thinking that a conversation could take like that take place like that in two years is completely fanciful. I think that a conversation like that taking place in 10 or 20 years is totally doable. Guys, it took eight years for the Revolutionary War in the United States to play out, and a lot of people died and suffered because of it. Everybody wants a solution that works now, today. Buy a desert island and move there, and no one will go. This is worth building. This can be done. This is not far off of what Xavier is doing. Xavier may be closer to getting something like this done, Xavier Hawk with permacredits, than anybody else right now. Can permacredits morph into a virtual nation? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that he's developing an infrastructure that would work for this. And maybe maybe it becomes a piece of somebody else's virtual nation. Maybe if you have two virtual nations, and they're doing business with each other, that's also not the rest of the world's business. Maybe Libertas and Dogville have diplomatic relationships with each other, and a coalition and an alliance. Not <laughs> because an ambassador from both groups shook hands and signed a treaty, but simply because somebody built a mechanism for commerce to exist between the two, and some of the citizens of each decided to do business with each other. That sounds like anarchy to me. You bet it does. But anarchy's all unorganized and people killing each other. And wait a minute, that's not what that is. Oh, no, it's not, is it? It's the peaceful coexistence of human beings by voluntary association without the authority of the state where conflicts are resolved through mutual agreed-upon arbitration. Dun-dun-dun. I should play it now. Seriously, guys. Um, can all of this work? I don't know. Can some of this work? Definitely. Can a lot of it be made better? I hope so. I hope I'm not the... I, I, you know, at, at times I feel like Peter from Office Space, right? Remember Peter in Office Space? I, I'll, I'll play it for you right now. This is how I feel when I make a mistake, right? Here you go. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mm, yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot, but uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no, I, I, right, I have Peter. the memo. I've got it. It's right. Hello, Phil. Um... And there's another scene later on where he's talking to two consultants that are taking the company over, and he says, you know, I have nine bosses, and that means when I, I don't, do something right. I have nine people informing me about it. Sometimes I feel like I have like 900 people telling me when I've screwed up something like, you know, Jack was wrong. So another movie that this makes me think of is Idiocracy, where Luke Wilson's character ends up in the future, and when they give him a test on intelligence, they find out he's the smartest man in the world, and he goes, 
that that can't be right. There's no and like like it's horrifying to him that he would be the smartest person in the world. That's how I would feel if somebody said, "Oh wow, Jack, this is the greatest idea ever, and we should do it exactly this way and not change a single thing because you got this perfect the first time through." I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't possibly have gotten this perfect the first time through. There can't possibly not be hundreds of holes in the plan. But the problem is, in our day and age today, instead of people going, here's how we close the holes, they go, look at the holes! It won't work! Oh my God, it'll never work! We can't do this! I'm sick of that. I, I have no time left in my life for people to say shit can't be done. I have plenty of time for people to go, there's a problem there. And how could we fix that, even if they don't have an answer yet, if that's the attitude? How do you fix this? Don't ask me. Tell me how we fix it. Start figuring out how to fix it. Start plugging the holes yourself. It's not mine. I don't own it. It's not Spirkistan. It's Libertas. Or Dogville. Cat Town. I don't know. Whatever you want to do it, do it. I don't care. It's not my idea. It's the world's idea. Put it out there. I want to hear your thoughts on it. And with that, this has been Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.